and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Vengeance. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is another one of our Microdot episodes. Next week, we'll be talking about Munich, so we're going to talk a little bit about behind the scenes of Munich. Yeah, specifically, we in these Microdot episodes, we do expanded spy fact versus fiction information that is not in the movie, but that we thought would be interesting to share. So last Microdot episode, as you may recall, we covered... Countdown to Valkyrie, which we talked about attempts on Adolf Hitler's life before the Valkyrie plot that was depicted in the movie. So this time, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about what happened before the Munich Massacre. That kicks off the events of the movie. Yeah, well, lead us in. So our source for this is called Vengeance, the True Story of an Israeli Counterterrorism Team by George Jonas. And that also contained the quote that we started off the episode with, which may sound familiar because I'm pretty sure it's part of Samuel Jackson's speech in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I think so. You might be right. I think it's like the very end, right before he shoots the guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the book tells a lot of information, more detail. We're going to be using it as our source for spy fact versus fiction in subsequent podcasts, but what it included that the movie didn't have was everything about Abner's training when he first became part of the Mossad that I thought as spy guys, Christian and our audience would really like to know. So that, oh, that actually answers one of my questions I had, and we'll get into this more about, so Abner is not an act, is not like an act, uh, a pseudonym for, this is actually his name. Well, well, I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Because, because this is still recent history, mm-hmm. everything is still, a secret, an official secret. So Avner is probably not his real name. And of course, everything that we say in the movie and in the book could be totally wrong. It it may not be wrong, but you know, just the usual disclaimer that uh, it's all, it's all shrouded in mystery still, even 50 years later. Gotcha. So I thought we would start with every guy's favorite part, which is guns. Every guy loves guns. So let's, let's talk about the guns. So <laughs> Avner, right. Avner, like all Israelis, served in the IDF. But when mm-hmm. he became part of the Mossad, he was given additional training from Dave. Dave, quote unquote. An okay. American Marine who spoke broken Hebrew, which was probably the best part of this, is the way that they translate how <laughs> Avner and some other agents spoke English too. But Dave insisted on Hebrew. He said, quote, you learn goddamn gun, I learn goddamn language. And we learn from each other. <laughs> Avner described him as speaking like Popeye. I'm not going to try to do a Popeye impression. So you, you, you just you just kind of use your imagination, I suppose. Oh, thank you for stopping me before I tried. <laughs> I mean, if, if you'd like to try and repeat after me, then, then feel free to. It doesn't bother me. Dave didn't care that he served in the military in the past. You do yourself a big favor. You forget you ever seen gun before. You see gun here for first time. You want to learn target shooting? Go join Olympic club. I teach you goddamn combat shooting. So that you may ask, well, what is combat shooting and how is it different? So one major thing is that it involves learning about the other guy's gun. So this is Dave again. Okay. If you learn to shoot and you lucky, you live long, but learn to duck, you live longer. Now, unlike in the movies, you can't actually dodge a bullet. Real life is not the matrix, but Aww. you can learn weapon, weapon recognition the way Batman does. And that will help you. 
So Dave said in an example, a bullet is not a goddamn horsefly. It don't follow you around. A bullet go in a straight line. Now you smart, you know all revolvers pull right a little, even if he's a goddamn champion. So you duck right. Hmm. You're not so smart, you duck left, and he got you. Interesting. So the idea is like you preempt yeah. where the guy's shooting at you, and then you dodge in the right in the correct direction. And it's like being able to dodge bullets. So it's kind of like that movie Equilibrium. Yeah, combined with Wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this doesn't come up again. You know, real life is not like Hollywood where you learn something and then it comes and <laughs> it applies later in the story. But it's interesting. So the so much, much later, after all this training, the agents are given 22 Beretta handguns, like what okay. they use in the movie. Why? This is because concealment, accuracy, and quietness is more important for their job than range and power. Hmm. All right. If, before Dave joined the Mossad, the agents used big guns, and Dave had to convince them not only to use the Berettas, but also to reduce further the amount of explosive charge in the gun. Hmm. The result of this is twofold. They didn't need silencers. So remember how we talked about how silencers don't actually make pew-pew-pew sounds? Yeah. But they can be silent if you use low enough ammunition. Right. So that's one advantage. Then the other one is that bullets won't penetrate the walls of airplanes, which was a favorite terrorist target at the time. Oh. Huh. Interesting. I don't know how much you remember Gold, the uh, Goldfinger. There's actually a plot point about how the gun, I think it's a Smith & Wesson that Lucy Girl Galore has, is strong enough that it will penetrate. Whereas, yeah, 22 I mean, probably would Because if you do penetrate, then obviously the plane is going to explosively decompress. Mm -hmm. I don't know how survivable it is. In the movies, people survive it all the time. But <laughs> in real life, that's another story. So Dave would ask... You worry, is little gun, you want big gun, your enemy may be elephant, your enemy may be tank. If your enemy tank, no gun big enough. You want bazooka. But if your enemy man, <laughs> little gun enough. Interesting. So another couple of things is Dave insisted that they never, ever use safeties. Like So you know how really? guns have like a little safety latch? Yeah. <laughs> so he says never use them because the, the second or like the half a second that it would take to flick it would be, could be enough to get you killed. So huh. what you do instead is you don't ever leave a round in the chamber. Okay. Okay, so they would carry guns that were loaded but without a round in the chamber. And then mm -hmm. D would teach them to draw and pull the slide back all in like one motion. Ah. So they just go they just practice that over and over and over. Draw, pull, draw, pull, draw, pull, shoot. I'm sure your hand motions are very helpful to our listening audience. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you know I think you know what they are. I can I think, see exactly what it is, but yes, to our audience, I, yes. <laughs> yes I think you know what you're getting at. So they pull pull this lead back. There you go. And most importantly, and this is where we get to the true spy stuff, he says, he was told, never pull your gun unless you intend to use it. Hmm. Right. If there's a bad guy, if he hits you, let him hit you. If if he's if you're getting mugged, hand over your wallet, hand over your phone, whatever. And also, don't shoot anybody in the leg. Don't threaten anybody with your gun. Mm -hmm. Don't go for the wound. Quote, you know goddamn cop. You agent. Secret agent. You pull a gun, <laughs> you good for nobody. You blow your goddamn cover. You never pull your gun for warning. Please, mister, be a good boy. No. You pull your gun, you shoot. And if you shoot, you kill. Hmm. And then when you shoot to kill, you always shoot twice. And the logic for this is that if you hit the first time, then a second bullet won't make a difference. But with the recoil, if you miss the first time, you might hit the second time, hmm. and that could save your life. 
Interesting. And, uh, well, if they're using 22 calibers, there's not going to be that much recoil. I mean, this is Dave, right? This is Mr. Mr. Perfection. True, so he's like, true. He's like, any any difference could make the difference. That's why you mm. have to be perfect. So Dave would say, remember Pfim Pfim or Pif Pif or something like that, which is the sound of the silenced Beretta shooting. So when mm -hmm. Avner saw him years later on the streets of Tel Aviv, Dave said to him, it's you, eh? How are you doing? Remember Pfim Pfim? See, you don't forget it. <laughs> So once they did guns, they moved into more of the traditional spy stuff we would know. And one of them was forging training, Ooh, forging documents. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So in the movie, they have a specialist to do this, but Avner was trained to do it too. And he mm -hmm. was taught by a trainer named Ortega. One of the things they would do is Ortega would give them passports. And he's like, I want you to make a small alteration to a page. Do you want a different page? Have each of you do a different page? Don't tell me which is which. So they'd be working, you know, they'd like change like a, mm -hmm. a letter or make a make an incision or something like that. So they'd work, mm -hmm. work, 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 and then they'd give it back to Ortega. Ortega took Avner's, he just opened it on the on his palm and just let it flop open. And the reason why that worked, and he always mm -hmm. found it. So why? There's two reasons. The right, first- Because you're holding it open. So create that, uh, what you call? Create just a fold, it, not even fold, but just like that imprint, basically. Yeah, a crease yeah. is how they describe it. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, know, so you have it down and then it just naturally opens back to where you were. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, Ortega explained, I don't look at it, I look at you, as in oh. the person who just gave it to him. Even an undocumented passport would open somewhere if you just flop it open. Uh -huh. What you, you're looking for is a tell, like, oh man, he just immediately <laughs> got it. Ooh, that's so cool. Yeah, I know, right? That's what I just shared. <laughs> so Avner's first job after he became a Mossad agent, was to serve as a sky marshal. So now, okay. sky marshals are very common in the post-9-11 right. era, but the Israelis had to deal with airplane hijackings much before this. Right. So he first, he'd fly everywhere, and he liked that because he liked traveling. And then another job he had as he sort of moved up the chain, this was also part of his training too, is he would survey public spaces. Hmm. So like, for example, he would be assigned, you go to Paris, you sit in the in an airport there, and you just note entrances, exits, service vehicles that go to runways, cameras, shift changes, and so on. Mm. So part of his training is just being learned to observe and remember everything, which is yet another reason why I couldn't make it as a spy, because I don't have a good <laughs> memory for stuff. I have to write everything down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then here's, here's my final bit of thing, and this was, like, mind-blowing, so okay. I, hope you, I hope you like it. yeah. Okay, so he's like, so let's say you're a Mossad agent and you go to work, you go to spy for Syria, like Eli Cohen, so I want to make cover later. So, so you pretend to be Syrian. You are Syrian. That's your cover. But let's say you have to, you just did a mission, you have to debrief. Well, you're not going to go to Israel because that'd be mm -hmm. obvious that you're a spy for them. So you have to meet with your handler somewhere. Where do you go? You America. go to Europe. No, uh, well, no, well, Europe. Well, yes, you can go to America, but that's further away. But you go to Europe and you go to a major tourist city i can see that yeah because you pretend because that's where people go that's where people travel through it's easy to blend in and it makes sense that someone would go to berlin as opposed to some tiny little village where you're mm. easy to spot and that's why spy stories take place in these big tourist capitals of <laughs> europe oh okay that gives a good reason yeah like, once you think about it, it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. But I can't believe it never occurred to me that there was a reason why <laughs> The Spy Who Dunked Me takes place in Vienna. Or, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and so on. Or Mission Impossible takes place in uh, Berlin. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. Well, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I guess there's also an aspect of it to do it. My movies, at least, like the fictional ones. Yeah. They don't want to show off these. I mean, that's Ian Fleming really started. Is like a lot of those books are travelogues almost. Well, Abner but also it makes sense for the real life too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abner suspected that these spies are humans too, and they want to go hang out in these cool cities. I, <laughs> I mean, I believe that too. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, that that is all I have for our micro dot episode. All right. Thanks for tuning in to our micro dot episode. Uh, next week we'll have the first part of Munich. Until next time, I'm Zach, and this is Christian, and we are the SpyFi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.